and I'm Dr. Lisa. Hello. I give a shit. Somebody's got to. I don't know this like Harvey thing like 24/7. I mean it's you know what? I want I want you guys to know this. This is the lesson uh from Harvey that I am personally taking away and uh join join me in it and um it's something that as I get older and I'm old, uh, it keeps coming up for me. It's called gratitude that the real, the real path to happiness is gratitude. And a lot of that has to do with the basic thing of health and safety. And if you have those things in your life to, uh, you know, reasonable degree, you are fortunate. And, uh, you know, a lot of things suck. And they suck for everybody in some way or another. So, um, you know what I'm really, you know what I really am mad about? I'm really mad about people complaining about like, uh, things having to do with like their kids, like how, like people in, okay, I'm just going to be awful. People in Manhattan complain about like they don't have enough money to send their kids to like camp and private school or how expensive it is and shit like that. Like stay home. Take your kids to a park and shut the fuck up. All right. I feel better. Thanks. I did my own therapy today. Uh, anyway, if thanks for listening to the show. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist. I have 15 more years of experience. And what I'm going to try, what I do is I uh, have this lovely, lovely young lady on today, Courtney for. Francis Fallon. I, I, I was worried I was going to screw it up, so I screwed it up. And uh, she's an incredible force of creativity. And so um, the thing about her that I'm curious to find out is uh, she has so many projects and so much energy. And she also seems to me, I don't know her super well. I haven't spent a lot of time with her. I know her work pretty well. She was in a great show by Savannah Spirit called uh, Take Your Hands Off My Country, C-U-N-T-R-Y. But she's just uh, in a, uh, just a fount, a fount of creativity and energy. And she also seems like very meticulous and stuff like that and maybe obsessive. So I want to find out like what 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 is what is making this young lady tick and whether we can you know, just make sure that uh, she's doing everything she needs to do to make her life happy and send her along her way. That's all. Maybe we'll all learn something there. I'm sure we will. And um, I'm going to move. Uh, before we get started, I'd, I'm going to put in a big plug for her project that she is focused on now, which is huge. It's called Draw the Blue Line, and it's from September 12th to 25th. And it's about the uh, Paris Accord Agreement. And um, it's on my Facebook page and her website and stuff. You can find out more about it, but and she'll explain it a little bit. But it's basically the idea to create awareness of how Trump is fucking with us uh, in this particular Paris Accord way by drawing a blue line uh, throughout outdoors, through everything, you know. Um, and I, she's looking for... All sorts of artists, street artists, anybody. And 
Uh, it's a great project, and uh, so I want you to know about that. What's the website, Courtney? DrawTheBlueLine.com. DrawTheBlueLine.com. It's on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and everything you can think of. So we talked about that, and then I want to also tell you about that. Um, you, you know, I just want to let you know that, uh, you know, I was listening to um, uh, the podcast of a show that we did about uh, the importance of of independent radio in this critical time and how important it is. And, you know, when I listen to it, I'm inspired by how valuable Radio Free Brooklyn is and not just because of wacky, irreverent shows like mine or all the great music or all the great talk and comedy and all that other stuff, but there's really a lot of important political talk shows on our station that are really getting the word out there. And so uh, I encourage you to go to our website and donate some money, radiofreebrooklyn.org. And uh, if you have an interest in calling in today for any reason at all, just to say hello, you're more than welcome to. Call us at 718-928-9732. Kids, that's 9732. Maybe we'll give out a vagina card later or something if you call in because Courtney makes these really great cards that are drawn. Let me just put it to you this way. It's a photograph of a cigarette in her vagina, but it's painted so it's really hard to tell that it's a vagina. It's not actual lips. Okay, there you go. Picture that. And now meet Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Hi. Thanks for having me. You have a lovely radio voice. Ooh. You sound really good. So, Courtney, your work is so uh, extensive. You do performance. Okay, why don't you tell... Okay, so your background... I read about your background, and you originally thought that you really wanted to be a writer. Like, only... Writing was the first... Is the art that, like, I connected with the most deeply... First, as a child, right? Yeah, and then when I was in high school, I my mom brought home a bag, a big bag of books from a used book sale, and Catcher in the Rye was in there. And I was fourteen, and I was like, I've always, I have no idea what this book is about. I've heard about it forever. I'm going to read it, and then found it deeply affecting. Wow! And then I was like, you know, I'm gonna read Our Town, like all these classics, Slaughterhouse Five. They're classics for a reason. And uh, started to just get really excited about things. And also you move, started to realize that what it was considered classic literature had a lot of dirty adult themes. Oh, yeah. There's fucking in there for sure. My favorite line from Slaughter. love. My favorite line from Slaughterhouse-Five is, Billy had a tremendous wing. That's the funny thing about Cox. You never know who'll get one. And I was like, I am getting a good grade for reading this right now. Go Vonnegut. Yes. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, but but anyway, you've exploded into performance and what other areas? Well, photography. So um, it's... Can a, you just like list them? So... Because we only have an hour here. We only have an hour. Uh, basically, uh, I've done some visual art. My writing will inspire... Writing projects will inspire other projects. So, and then right now I... Uh, I'm about to do Draw the Blue Line. I'm calling a public art protest. And mm-hmm. it's really surprised me too. But when you get that inspiration for an idea for a project, you take it and run with it. 
So what, but what else you've done? And then performance art is like the next frontier that I'm getting into, Mm -hmm. but I wrote for myself as a performer. I want to get into directing also Mm -hmm. for like ensembles. And, and you, do you sing or something? I do sing. If anyone will have me, I'm like totally down to join. Why don't you sing if you bar, what's your favorite? Can you do that? What's your favorite song or what song do you sing when somebody says, um, I do, uh, Amy Winehouse, Valerie. Let's come on over. Stop making a fool out of me. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? Valerie, Valerie. See, what did I tell you, folks? <laughs> so your 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 uh, talents are really broad and vast. So what the fuck would you do? What you know? How are you supposed to make all that satisfying? Um, but I, you know, I'm also another thing about you is that I am struck by your um, vibrancy, but also your enthusiasm and your, um, I think, like generosity of like outreach and you know being on top, like just being on the ball about everything. Like you seem like you're almost worried about like. There seems, I'm wondering if there's some kind of anxiety about um, whether you're going to live up to what you want to live up to or what you expect other people living up to. Did I get too deep into it right away? I felt comfortable with you, so I went there. I like it. I like that you feel comfortable. Um, As far as, um, I just like other people who show up and who are really there when they show up. And so I uh, am incapable almost of like not giving my all. So, and were you like an A student? Terrible, terrible behavior in school. I wasn't a good student until college. In high school, I, I, it is still embarrassing when I run into my former teachers in my hometown because they still hate me. Because why? What did you do? I was just a motor mouth and literally like a wild animal, no self control. In the classroom, when I was a junior in high school, my history teacher called home and was like, yeah, Courtney talks a lot. My mom was like, yeah, she's going to do that. Like they had given up by that point. Oh, yeah. You should have a radio show <laughs> and without then, any guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be probably how I would do it. Uh, I could. No, I don't know whether I would. Well, that doesn't even matter. <laughs> so let's 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 find out what let's find out with the nature nurture version of you. Let's find out. So. Um, where did you grow up? How old are you now? You're th- 33. 33. Yeah. Very good looking 33 folks. Oh. Very, very good looking. You're just doing my You're single good. now though, right? You were saying that? I haven't been in the same room as a man since March, it's August 31st. You mean naked? Yeah. Been in the same That's my favorite na- euphemism for sex you right now. You have been naked in a room with a man since when? March. That's hard to understand, but... Was that a was that a one night stand or a, a dating thing? It or? was a like a out of town. It was this. Was guy. it hot? It was super hot. Was, I had cried in his mouth, making out with him in February two thousand fifteen. So this was a redo. I was like broken hearted, and I met him. It was a friend of a friend. I was out of town. Crying in somebody's mouth. <laughs> I think we need a diagram of that. Can you do? Can you? do that yes you, yes you can it's this can you write a whole book on that by the time the show's done you bet you can. <laughs> all right so um what what did your where did you grow up i'm from west seneca new york it's a suburb of buffalo mm-hmm. and what did your parents do 
My father was a police officer, a detective, mm-hmm. and my mother was a cancer research nurse. Oh, wow. And do you brothers or sisters? I'm the youngest of four. I have two older brothers and an oh, older wow. sister, and we were all born within six years. Really? Yeah, madness. Are you close with them now? My sister and I are close. My brothers are estranged from the family. Wah, now, wah. why is that? Um, Good sound effect, though. <laughs> why is that? Uh, different stuff. Really very different things. Okay, really so quite here, a surprise. Here, 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 here's, there's something, yeah, something happened there. Yeah, oh, a lot happened. <laughs> can, can you, do you mind, talk, can I ask you about it? Um, You'd rather not, because it's your family. I am confident that one of my brothers would sue me if I spoke about him in an interview. Uh, like, okay. Just confident. Then we don't, we don't want to do that. Not that he's like lawsuit happy in any other aspect Okay, of well, life, we don't need but. to know. Is there... Um, <laughs> one like, is about money and then others about just general family drama. Okay, can we put it in a context that involves you that we don't have to talk about them? Like, could you say what years it was or what your point it you know, where you were in life so we can have like, just just to have a broad view of how it might have had effect on you. Like, was it some, was it, a, was it an ongoing situation? Was it, can we talk about it in really broad terms? Um, or maybe not. I'm trying to articulate Well, we well. can come back. What, you want me to give you a second or do it you want to come back? Basically, like uh, my parents' marriage was very tumultuous. And the last time I saw my mother, she set our house on fire with our baby clothes my senior year of high school. The last time you saw your mother? Was 2001. And then she died in 2005. And And she set your house on on fire with our baby clothes four days before Christmas because we didn't want to live with her after um, our parents were about to start their, their long overdue divorce. Oh and, my God. Um, I'm so sorry to hear thank that. Thank you. What was, wow, tell me, that was 2001? Yeah. And how old December were you? December 21st, then? 17. How old? 17. So can you tell, tell us like the circumstances behind that or? She just, um, she was an unhappy person. And um, did she have serious mental problems? Because that's, I mean, that's she my, had, that's she had my a judge. Very, to she had a very difficult childhood. She was born in communist Poland and emigrated to the United States when she was nine. And so um, I just, being a mother was not necessarily. Did a good she come thing. with her family? She was sent ahead with her two older brothers to be adopted by a distant cousin of my already dead grandmother. And my grandfather had already remarried. So this is like doing what you can't to get your kids out of Poland. So, um, so it just, it was, it was rough. So, um, I, I just, I think she was just, she's a damaged person. Yeah, obviously. I mean, not obviously, but But, you you know, know, we have, well, that's, you know, the thing is, it's confusing, I think, sometimes when we feel that kind of compassion because I'm told, you know, you can't help but feel for her. But at the same time, there's no way that wasn't a damaging parent for you. And, you you know, I'm sure like emotionally, it's kind of like I would have guessed that there's a lot of balance between being you know, angry and horrified and being just loving and forgiving. And that's it took a long time, so uh, especially because she died unexpectedly, and so uh, I had I didn't Can speak you to say her. What happened there? She fell down in an unfortunate position and 
it's kind of it was kind of a freak accident. You don't think she had anything to do with it? Uh, super confident. Was she? Because that was like a question for a while. So I had to play Nancy Drew to like confirm it. Okay, the insurance but, but company ruled that it was an accident. And then I, some so people you, in the family think she did commit suicide, but I'm pretty confident she, she did Well, What kind of men, mental state was she in when that happened? I don't know because I hadn't seen her, but she was functioning. She was a highly functioning person. And so you were only uh, 21. Yeah. So what, where were you in your life? Did you go to college? I did. I went to where? Binghamton University. Go Bearcats. <laughs> uh yeah the bearcats uh, the, yeah bearcats go bearcats they're like badgers <laughs> oh you don't have to take out your pom-poms they don't need that <laughs> i I, I genuinely loved it there genuinely that's loved great it there, genuinely. so yeah you must have been happy to get to college boy oh yeah um so that must have been really devastating when your mother died yeah very yeah. suddenly it was very it was actually uh such a shock that it took time to feel right and then um and it took a long time to process i moved to poland to learn polish and spent two years there and met like all this family no one had spoken to in 50 years and had all these beautiful amazing experiences i live in greenpoint to hear speak and read polish oh really so like while she's absent from my life i haven't had a mother since i was 17 there's also like this love and connection with Poland and and they feel very different but at the same time like they couldn't be any more connected so it's really you have uh, to meet the woman I had on last week Michelle Levy because she's doing a project about um her family being from Poland and her grandmother and visiting Poland and all that I want yeah, yeah I mean, it's, when, and it's amazing place I love Poland like I and I have this amazing connection now with this Polish family that I that I'm the only one who knows in America and and um did you meet them in greenpoint no i met them like in poland like oh, i was and, like and they're in poland now yeah like i oh, wrote, you go to poland and stay i with moved your family. to poland i moved to poland and after a year in krakow i wrote this letter that was like hi i'm your cousin and i live in krakow and i'm from america and do you want to hang out and they were like move in with us oh my god and they were and you've stayed with them and i've lived uh, with them for two years i i lived in krakow on my own i had my own apartment i was teaching english but i would i went and visited them i left Poland. I lived in Poland September 2011 until July 2013. Can you sing Valerie in Polish? Um, Hodge tutaj Valerie. <laughs> That's like come here. That's that sounds good. <laughs> I like it. Beautiful Hodge voice. Tutaj. My favorite song, the only song I know in Polish is A Terazi Gemina Jednego. A Terazi Gemina Vodka Peach. Cha cha cha. Which is, and now we're going for a minute. And now we're going to have some vodka, cha-cha-cha. Which they sing at weddings. Bands sing that at weddings before uh, they take a break. Did you ever um, did you ever sing professionally or anything? I was a backup singer for on a tour with the folk singer Mike Yes Yes Ersing. It was Yes Yes and Heaven Tongue. Oh. And it was... Um, an absolute pleasure. I love singing. And, yeah, that um, must have been fun. And then I did a cross-country road trip, and we would meet people in bars and convince them to let us sleep in their house. That was uh. with the photographer, Catherine T. Jacobs. And karaoke was the best way to meet people to find a place to sleep. So uh, we actually started to seek out karaoke bars, to, and I would sing, and we would meet people, and then we would sleep on I their like houses. That. It was amazing. I like that. It was a amazing. road trip based on karaoke. Well, it was based on photography, and the karaoke was just a bonus. I think I think that could be like, uh, I think that there's a tour 
tour, you know, p- tour planning uh, service in your future. Too. It very may well travel, be. Travel through karaoke. Was- travel America, <laughs> see America through karaoke. And Canada, we had great luck in the Yukon with karaoke. We ended up partying with those people who we met in a karaoke bar for like two days. It was That's amazing. So fun. Canada Day. So what was your... What was your growing up like before all this happened? Like, what was so you you guys were all pretty close in age. Is your sister the oldest? Your oldest sister? I'm the youngest. So my sister's a year and a half older than me, and then the two boys are older. The two boys are the oldest. And so, um, what was the atmosphere like? Your your parents didn't get along, or it was uh, you know, it's uh, was it stable and normal, or was it yes and no? So like when you had it depended on what kind, what was going on with mom, basically. And then four kids in six years working really hard. And they, they, they made so many sacrifices for us. Like my mom went back to school when I was in kindergarten to mm-hmm. get her nursing degree. And, um, and my dad was working a ton. I talked to him recently about it. And I was like, how were those years? Like, I see, I see, kid, I see families with kids like that. Like what, and he's like, I don't really remember much. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I grew up on this street that is just like heavenly. Um, and there were a bazillion kids and I was permanently outside and climbing oh, nice. trees and playing. So you're outside. very physically active. Very, very physically active. And um and so Were you athletic, good in school? good at sports? I did become did very you, athletic. So were you did you excel at sports? Yeah. See, so that that's explains i think why you have so much physical energy because you um develop that side of yourself i mean you you know people who are athletic have a lot more physical energy and it also keeps you from being depressed uh you get depressed uh i was having a little adjustment i moved to new york in september so this is my Mm -hmm. freshman year in new york as i like to say and i was um, experiencing this level of stress that I hadn't anticipated and um, realized that ex- I can exercise it out. Yeah, so that's why you're so fucking happy. It's the fucking ex. It's the athlete. It certainly helps, but uh, I, and it's just like a weird so disposition. What were, you, what were you good at? Say. So I and it, I I was I didn't get really decent at sports until I was about fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. But I uh, played soccer. I played lacrosse. I was a cheerleader. Were you, did you excel at all those sports? I was good enough. So the. So you were on the team. So I was on the, the team best. and I got playing time, but I was not the best. Best, but yeah. you enjoyed it? Did you have, Like loved it, yeah. Like did you, you have friends that way? Yeah. Is that, is that, was that your social life, I mean? It definitely was in high school. And I did, um, I, signed, I started doing sports. I played a little bit when I was a little girl. We played signed up for softball and stuff. I didn't care for it. And then I started doing sports for the totally wrong reasons in eighth grade because popular kids did it. And I was like a oh, relentless yeah. social climber right. in like oh. eighth, ninth grade. And, um, and then by the time I got decent at sports, I didn't really care about the fact that it was cool or whatever. I would, I genuinely just like began to love the sports for what they were. Right. So, so Title IX is one of the best things that ever happened to me, and I'm very fiercely oh, protective of it. Really great. Very to hear protective that. of it. So you were um, interested in. I find that. So you were interested in being popular. Oh, it was so important to me. What and do you, then, where do you think that comes from? 
Uh, I just wanted I mean, to be Kelly Kapowski be. from Save by the Bell. You just, uh, but, but, um, do you think it had anything to do with like the way you, things were at home or were you worried about being liked or what was going on at home? Did, was there a lot of arguing? I picture a lot of arguing. Uh, no, it was just more, was it, things would just be wrong. You would just know that like you didn't want to be around. So there was a lot of unspoken stuff. Yeah. And, and then, or like things but would a lot, be tense. But, but like dirty looks or, be, or tones of voices kind of things. There was, sometimes our mom would be on the war path was the term. And uh-huh. you just didn't want to cross her. She was moody. Yeah. Okay. And then. Um, Did your parents appear to get along okay? Um, the first few, there were the, the, in 2001, it was like, you guys got to get divorced talking to my dad about it and I was like this is not sustainable but prior to that there had been uh, a talk of divorce in 1999 and in 1996 and 96 and 99 that that came as a surprise Mm -hmm. oh so when it finally happened so it wasn't like an totally it wasn't an entirely toxic environment were you oh so yeah so was the feeling at home okay or it was generally okay but then there were times where things weren't right and you knew they weren't right did it feel unstable because you didn't know um like you didn't know what to expect when you got home no it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like, it wasn't like an omniscient it wasn't not omniscient, yeah. omnipresent is that yeah. the term like it yes. wasn't like um it wasn't consistent so when it would happen, it, when things were rough, it was kind of a surprise. Oh. And what saved me, I like love the street I grew up on so much. Um, uh, I was never home. And I, as youngest of four, my older siblings like tortured me. What do you mean? Um, just like regular sibling BS. Yeah, like totally made fun of me and... Um, when I was really little, I was a teeny tiny peanut. So they would put a laundry basket over me and some heavy books and I like couldn't get out. Love it. Um, my oldest brother would like swing me around by my feet, which was sometimes fun. And then other times I was worried I was going to hit my head. Right. Um, and <laughs> stuff like that. I never had control of the TV. Like little things that, you know, aren't yeah, cool right. for you when you're in third grade. So there were tons of kids to play with. And I didn't want to be in the house because I didn't uh, want to incur the wrath of my siblings more uh, than like the concern about my siblings parents were. Do you think that so now I'm putting this together now I'm making this assumption. So do you think that maybe um, you wanted like part of wanting to be popular was because you felt like you didn't have that kind of. I just love parties. I'm just really social. And I know I just really wanted to like go to parties. You just like being around people. I just really like being around people people and I like people. And that's why it didn't, you know, I got over a lot of the high school nonsense before high school was over. So it wasn't a status thing. It was more, you just really wanted to, you enjoy people. I'm sure I would have loved to be homecoming queen though, too. (laughs) I'll, I'll be honest. That's so ridiculous. I'll be honest with you. I think you're the only person I've ever met that, Wanted to be homecoming. Show. Yeah, I don't really know a lot of people. I've heard some really I didn't campaign. crazy. I didn't campaign for I've it. I've heard some crazy aspirations. I didn't campaign not- for it, but no. But and then, yeah, just and having stuff to do and having people to hang out with but was more. Is it the like what I'm trying to figure out is whether you want the positive feedback or you just are like 
you know, just gregarious. It's gregarious. Okay. Because um, in eighth grade, I had this realization that like people aren't going to like you no matter what you do. So you may as well enjoy yourself while they don't like you and that's, just be yourself. That's really good. I'm going to try and learn that now. It's, yeah. Uh, did you, um, what was I going to say? So it sounds like, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like an okay childhood. It was. You didn't do well in school. What was that? I like? was just like, a, I was a mediocre student. I. Why do you think that was? Um, because I, like I, I was like a wild animal and I just like genuinely couldn't behave to save my life. I was always did in you, trouble. But, but did, but. My grades were fine in the humanities. I didn't excel in Spanish or math. Mm-hmm. And then, but now I speak Spanish. So it was. I yeah, came around. Te- teaching, teaching is, yeah. Or the way, it's not even the, it's not the teachers. It's the, Well, it didn't help. No, and it was a terrible textbook. I stand by that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, it's so abstract to learn language in, in school. Uh, um, what am I trying to say? Um, what I'm thinking about is, uh, so that's, so were you, did you, but how did your parents, you were a discipline problem. Yeah. So how did your parents treat, how did that like, how was that handled at home? I feel like we all were discipline problems, except for, like, my oldest brother. The My other brother and my sister and I were pretty so much... So you didn't get a lot of criticism from your parents? Um, Did you get encouragement from them? Yeah. And, like, um, I also, on top of sports, I also played violin. And so they were really encouraging. If I was, like, as a teenager, if I you know, said, daddy, I want a new pair of jeans. He'd be like, okay, well you have a job. So go mm-hmm. buy one yourself. But if I was like, Hey, my cleats are kind of, I might need new cleats soon. And he'd be like, okay, do you want to, do you want to go to the mall right now? Like it was <laughs> so, you know, so that's really great. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. And like yeah. my dad especially would go to all my soccer games and stuff. I was super into soccer when I was 16. You know, sports really like really, really made, made a big difference for you i think uh i definitely uh learned i mean it title line's best thing that ever happened to me i learned the value of hard work that was the i like i said i started doing sports in middle school because that was like what the mm-hmm. pretty people were doing and i wasn't very good and i didn't have a lot of endurance and then i got into it and that was the first thing where I really applied myself and like I would run all the time I would get home from practice and I would go for an extra run and work out my teen angst if I had a bad day when I was in ninth grade I would like go for a run and have a cry yeah that's like I work out my teen angst now going for a long walk exactly shout out to let's exercise you dorks get out of the house you creative people think you don't need to do it do anything just for your brain Get some fresh air. Good for your brain. I want to, uh, I think it's time to tell people how great Radio Free Brooklyn is. I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, they are. They're really, it's like the greatest station. We were just, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Check us out. Check us out. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. If you ever want to write to me, I'm Dr. Lisa at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Send me a note. Uh, Okay, so you're listening to Courtney Fat. Courtney Francis Fallon. Courtney Francis <laughs> Fallon on Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. We're talking about um, how diverse her creative drive is and where it comes from. So, um, okay, but 
So do you have, you have a job, you have so many creative activities. Do you have a job as well? So I manage an Airbnb. Wow. And I'm really? a freelance personal assistant. Oh, wow. So you kind of have some freedom to sort of make your own living and make things work for you? Right now, everything is pretty much every minute that I have is devoted to draw the blue line between now and September 25th. And then after that, I got to get, get on that. I got to hustle some dough. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and I also wanted to ask you, let's just go back a second. Did you have a boyfriend in high school? Yes. Senior oh, year. Senior year. Have you ever lived with a guy or had a yes. serious? How long? Um, I lived with a boyfriend the summer between my junior and senior year of college because we were long distance. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we met in Israel and he lived in North Bergen, New Jersey, and I was studying in Binghamton. So I spent ah. the summer in North Bergen, New Jersey. Oh, nice. And then um, 2010, I lived with a man in Buffalo hmm. who I was... Uh, romantically. And when was your last relationship? My rat it's been a while. Uh, ended January 2015. Really? So what, what do you think that is? Well, uh, I... I can't, I don't get it, but... <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. Um, I was transient for a long time. So I devoted myself to traveling for the 10 years after I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. And so um i if i was living somewhere it would be like okay i'm here now but i'm gonna go i'm gonna leave the country in seven months Mm -hmm. and so i don't it wasn't really conducive to dating and Mm -hmm. so um so that yeah and then i went to africa so yeah like we broke up i went to spent 83 days there and I went to I started in Johannesburg and then popped up to Botswana wow. was convinced I should go to Zimbabwe I wasn't planning on it and people the people I met were like you're an idiot if you don't go to Victoria Falls so I did and they were correct it was amazing and were then you I went by yourself yes wow was that scary at all yeah all the time oh my god yeah really like what um I had a I have this fear of getting robbed by a taxi driver when I'm going from one city to another because I was traveling with a computer and my passport yeah, right. and my camera. So um, I don't think it's a super common occurrence, but you're pretty vulnerable. And generally I take public transportation, um, mm-hmm. speci- especially when I'm abroad, I'm trying to save money and here too. Uh, but when I have all my stuff and I'm in Africa and I don't know what I'm doing, I'll take a taxi from the bus station to wherever I'm going. Sure, and I have this fear of getting robbed by a taxi driver. And, um, and did you get, did, were people respectful of you? Um, I, uh, didn't last 20 minutes. I got, uh, my ATM card was out of my possession in the airport. Wow. Literally didn't last 20 minutes in Johannesburg. But, um, but, but But recovered and had a great trip. Yeah. But you were by yourself. Did like men try to like, um, attack you? Like I imagine you get out. It's of really trip. hard to get out of Cape Town with somebody without somebody pulling a knife on you. Did but, that happen to you? But it was so weird. I was with a large group of people, and I was at a theater conference. And I, this guy was. I was with uh, two women and a man, and we were late for a play. So one of the w- women and I were walking very quickly, and a man came up to ask us for money. You know, right. uh, as a beggar situation, uh, panhandlered. And I was like, sorry, dude, like late for a play. And I just like bop, sped walk past him, totally oblivious. And then 
I realized that the woman who is walking with, next to me, the 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 man and the other people, the man and the woman were about you know five feet behind us. Um, I realized that she's not with me, and I turn around, and she's she was South African, so she knew how to comport herself. I wouldn't have, but she just like mm-hmm. bopped into the street, mm-hmm. and the couple didn't know what was going on, but he was putting like an enormous knife back in his back pocket. Mm. So he basically, I walked past him and I guess mm. as soon as I got past him, he must have pulled mm. out the knife and tried to um, mug her. And it, it, it was, it was, there were a few other like mm-hmm. things that weren't the coolest, but um, long, I think it's called Long Street. I can't remember in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Everybody has some sort of story about having somebody pull a knife on mm, them. And uh, it was, so t- it was, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. Let's go back to, um, cause I want to, I want to make sure that we talk about your creative work and, um, in a bigger picture, but I also want to just go back to um, what we talked about earlier, which was that um, really difficult time in your life with your family and what happened with your mother and all that. So how how have how do you have you processed that, or how do you think that affects you today? Do you have you? Um, I I know you said you were in therapy. When I know you have mo- some great therapy stories. Yeah. We're not going to have time for them today. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. we'll have to come back. But um, but. after my mom set the house on fire, it was actually this really great thing because it was like because she didn't burn the house down, so that was great. Why do you think she set it on fire? She was punishing us because we didn't want to live with her. Mm. Um, so it was just it just seemed really. Did that seem? That seems super crazy. Does it seem super crazy for her to do that? Or does that seem, was she pretty out there and that was just. (laughs) I knew she was going to set the house on fire. It was such a crazy day. Like I didn't know that she was going to set the house on fire, but uh, yeah, there, she wasn't supposed to be at the house. I got home from school and she wasn't supposed to be at the house. Um, Things had really come to a head. So she was staying with some friends and um Head between her and your brothers? Between um, your father? my father. She mm-hmm. had like uh, stolen something from him and like tried to press charges on him for like some nonsense. So she was going to stay with some friends. And uh, so she wasn't supposed to be at the house. And also I got home before three o'clock. She normally worked until 6 p.m. So she wasn't supposed to be uh, there at all. And I came home and the house was full of cigarette smoke and she mm-hmm. hadn't smoked or smoked in the house in years. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, this is bad. So I went upstairs and I called my boyfriend at the time. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you because we're short on time and I want to get to the emotion. Basically, yeah. So I knew she was going to set the house on fire. But how did that affect you? Um, I mean, no, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, 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 that's not a simple, I'm asking I, it like it's a simple question. I know. At the same time, so, I don't, like how does, how does it, how did you, You've, uh, it you're was, an incredibly it was like, positive, productive it was person. Like, How did you manage that? It was really freeing because it was like, okay, this is what we are. This is what's going on in the family. Like everyone had kind of been protecting each other from oh. the worst of her. And so once that happened, it was kind of like a relief. It was a huge relief. And um, we were ah. ridiculous about it. It was the playroom is the extra room. And that was where she set the house on fire. So we were like mm-hmm. the playroom roasting on an open fire. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and that's funny. like it was, so it was actually quite cathartic. Right. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. And then also disturbing. Cause you're like, what are you doing lady? No, no, that's really upsetting. Um, 
Okay. And was the house ruined and stuff like that? No, it was great. Um, it, so it was only okay. like some minor. Yeah, it so was pretty was good. Okay. Yes, yeah, she didn't burn the house down at all. There was no structural damage. Oh, and there was okay. concern that the insurance wouldn't pay out because yes. she was on the policy, Crazy. but they, they did. So okay. that was great. So it was, yeah. it, was a, it was a best all case right. scenario was, for your house being started yeah, on fire by your mom. Oh, good, Swear to God. Good. Totally. No, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm glad to totally, hear totally. So let's talk about your creative work. So you have so much, so many different um avenues that you're going in and i'm wondering if there's a what's the commonality between i feel like everything involves writing i don't even feel that way everything involves writing if Mm -hmm. you no matter what you're doing when you make a photography series you're going to end up writing about it you're going to explain it, your artist statements in the conversations that so you have. So language is present in everything. So does everything. it start with the writing or does it, uh, does it start with the art and then the writing or? it's It starts with the writing and then this, the art kind of pops out of it. Draw the Blue Line is unique. It really came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. to me. But. So that's really something. Why don't you explain the project um, if you can in a, it's a complex project so it's complex so the idea is to i uh, want to cover new york city and the digital universe with blue lines to represent the rising sea levels during the un general assembly it's a call and response and the idea is that i want it to reach members of the un to so that they can see a the citizens' commitment and support for the Paris Agreement, and then once it reaches, once it's on their radar, mm-hmm. the hope is that they will reply in kind mm-hmm. by adding a blue line to the permanent mission mm-hmm. of the UN or mm-hmm. their social media or a press release or something so, um, to reaffirm their commitment and reassert their commitment to the Paris Agreement. No, it's an inter- really interesting project. Um, what is your? Uh, it's a huge under. It seems it's like very a huge, ambitious. It's a huge undertaking. It's very ambitious. Very ambitious. Um, but in the at the end of the day, you are trying to uh, create awareness for the P- Paris Accord, or so. What it really comes down to is, um, I was really inspired by the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, Trump said I was elected to represent the people of Pittsburgh, not the people of Paris. And Pittsburgh was like, well, since you asked, we're just going to take on some even more stringent climate uh, change measures. Um, And so the United States probably is is not quite out of the Paris Agreement yet, but I'm worried about, I'm concerned about the domino effect it could potentially have for emerging economies and other places uh, with, as with anything uh, the UN is pretty toothless. And so um, the concern that they wouldn't necessarily, that they these people who have signed on, the signatories to the Paris Agreement may not actually really do what they promise they will. So, and um, so it's so to think, talk about that with them. And so you, you're hoping that this will create awareness and that... And, and I'm hoping that, that the they will publicly... And public will get more involved and i'm and, hoping that signatories of the paris agreement which is the entire planet except for syria and nicaragua and us um and us well we signed we just might leave it get a, our, yeah, um, yeah um will state again that they stand by what they have and how signed are you on to. getting people to you want them to draw a blue line so you can um put a blue line on 
the facade of buildings, the inside of buildings, on windows, on cash registers, on your social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how are to, you getting the word out? So I'm starting here. Well, right here. And then, yeah. Um, you hear this, folks? you got to get Come on honest. down. Draw we, the blue line. We have a job for you. Draw the blue line. Hashtag draw the blue line. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just going to be contacting artists. I'm really, really trying to recruit projection artists. I want to do some wacky projections. So you're really, cur- it's sort of a curating and a sort it's of... Play, a- so it's, it's a public art. So like that's where it's also, I want to see how other people mm-hmm. are going to do this. Mm-hmm. So I am encouraging people mm-hmm. to like take it and run with it. So do you feel um, pretty... I mean, um, so it seems like, um, you know, you're definitely excited about the project. I mean, so maybe the work that you do does have more of a thread than I might have thought. Or are you satisfied with the work you're doing? Or do you have an end goal for it? Or does it it seem as disparate to you as it does to me? So... Maybe no, I like I, I that's like the thing I've been saying lately. I was like, I thought I was gonna write novels and now this is what's happening. So, mm-hmm. so you're just really so in I'm touch still with like your as, instincts and just really open to new things all the time. Yeah, and everything and what happens I find there's so you? much overlap and yeah. like they inspire each other. So this is me projecting like if the scary thing about it is if the things don't go the way that you hope, like let's say um, you know, enough people not, I'm not even. I didn't want to talk about this because it's such a great idea. But I mean, like, it could flop. I'm not, yeah. And and how are you with those things? So it was. Uh, I am intellectually comfortable with failure, and the because reason, geniuses fail. I want to tell people the reason I'm asking this is because this Courtney person puts herself fucking out there, and the idea of flop is pretty is. I mean, we're all afraid of flopping, but Courtney is pretty fucking brave. And I'm wondering how immune you are. So, yeah, like I have to keep telling myself like geniuses fail. People who I respect and have brilliant, who are geniuses have have projects that fail. And because of what I'm trying to do, which is have a conversation with the United Nations and recruit new york city and the rest of the planet to help me for that that's huge so i have to be comfortable with failing at it because Mm -hmm. it is so ambitious and huge and then i also intend to repeat this project in different ways until the united states reaffirms its Mm. commitment to the paris agreement so So, this year may be a little slow and then next year might uh, be ridiculous but and then we'll see how it goes so but you know it's hard because i could do everything that i see that i could do for this project 24 7 non-stop and still not do everything that i see that i can do for this project right and so fucking mature attitude i'll tell you that thanks jesus uh and what i was going to point out also as part of the the journey i mean process i'm all about the process and you're here now we're doing this as part of that right so the process is pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm a new kid in town. I imagine when that this will be really September 17th. Like almost last year. year. Yeah, just and about to happen. Why me. did you move here? For my career. It and was New York or LA. When, you mean being an artist? Yeah. And it was New York or LA for primarily for writing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, Droblands really surprised me, really. And what? Um, and like I didn't see myself doing anything like this. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't foreseen this, but. Uh, 
Uh, I devoted myself to traveling. And then once I kind of felt not ready, you're never done traveling, mm-hmm. but, uh, you picked this place. I need I want to set down what roots. You, I want to, what did you think about LA? I am so stressed out when I am west of the Rockies. How come? Um, everyone is so laid back that it uh, turns me like you think I'm showing. I'm pretty type A. I didn't even really know. No, that you're not kind of type A. You're, I am like you're textbook. like way yeah. type A. Totally. And that and then not in other ways. It's really strange. But when you're out, when I'm out west, I feel like I have to chase people and everyone's such a space uh, cadet that it makes me super uptight. Whereas, LA is a little like that. I think so. I don't have a ton of experience with LA. I, I lived in Portland for a minute and mm-hmm. I, I went through legit culture shock. This is pre-Portlandia. Mm-hmm. No, I used to think that, but I haven't been out there in a while, you know. But uh, yeah, LA always seems, well, any Stress place c- compared to New York seems laid back to me. Um, so let's talk about your dating life. Should we do that? Sure can if you want. Okay. So there's nothing. <laughs> so you've been here a year. Yeah. Do you care about having a Partner, I would boyfriend. love that. Yeah, I want you a partner. Like I want to like, I want to take over the planet and I want a partner to help me with that. Mm. I'd also like to camp. I want, you like I'm going to go camping. camping with. Yeah, that's great. So have you been on any dates or how's that? Have you met any guys or what do you think's going on here? <sighs> it's a bunch of strange weird things. You can still call in. This woman's gorgeous. <laughs> Blue eyes, athletics, 718-928-9732. <laughs> You should, don't miss your chance. It's a, like an amazing single woman who can sing. She could sing in your ear. I can cook too. And she can cook and she's great at sports. Come on. You like watching sports? Uh, I, I Watching sports makes you, makes me sad that I'm not playing them. Oh, okay. Well, but, then you know. sports guys, she needs a creative guy. Anyway, so what's going on there? So have you been on dates, dating? Have you been on It's dates? been, uh, not good yeah i went on like a bunch of funny random first dates with random men i met when i first got here so that was kind of fun met in person yeah like i smiled at a guy near city hall and he i walked about you know 15 feet away and he we had made eye contact and smiled and then he came up to me and was like i'm sorry do i know you because you smiled at me and it was so nice and he was like can i take you out for a coffee and i was like sure and we had like a funny little encounter mm-hmm. and it was really nice. So I had little so, things like that, but then he didn't call me and, call you. Yeah. and he had major drama with his ex-wife. So I didn't oh, call that's him. Not good. So yeah. have you, but um, I'm failing done- to seduce and I'm failing to be seduced. It's working both ways. Like I'm trying, I introduce myself to men. I'm because I do. I don't, I can't yeah, front. You're an outgoing yeah, person. And I can't front. Like if I think you're dreamy, yeah. I'll like say hi. Yeah. And then, but they're not, none, no one's biting when I'm throwing out the lines. And then the men who have been approaching me have been like tactless. And you mean um, they're like, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to hump you. Like a neighbor of mine texted me like a new, I just moved apartments and like a new neighbor just like texted me at like 1130 on Friday night. And mm. I was like, you're just trying to put the P in the V <laughs> and you don't do that with your neighbor. Don't shit where you sleep. <laughs> So um, well, I hope you taught him something. I was a Probably little, not, I was a little more tactful stupid. about it. <laughs> but uh, so, would do you have any dating patterns? Like, what do you would do you have like things that would do you think that um, what what do you what why 
what do you, why are you having more luck? I, I mean, what do you think it is? I can't picture. I don't it. know. Like I, I was wondering if like men are spooked by talking to women in person because they just assume you're on an app and they're on apps too. Interesting. That's like the only, that's like a guess I have that. So have you tried to meet men on apps? I haven't used any apps. I did a dating website in the fall of, for six months between Africa and Asia. So between 2015, 2016. And I was just looking to get laid and I still found it really frustrating. So you're not a dating app person. Um, I and, and I don't think you're alone in that at all. Especially, I think those dating apps are getting played played out uh, from what I can tell. Not that I'm dating. I might try Match in October. We'll see after Draw yeah. the Blue Line. I don't know. Okay, Cupid. Maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. But um, people misrepresent themselves and it isn't necessarily because they're malicious. It's also because they're delusional. So they want to see, they like to think that they're intellectual and then you talk to them and it's like, well, when's the last time you read a book? So has, have meeting men or dating ever been a problem for you? I've, I always, the feast and famine is a term I use a lot. Sometimes mm-hmm. like you're beating them off with a stick and then other times you're like, I, it would be really cool if I could cuddle with somebody. <laughs> Anybody? I'll give you a hug after this. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, but you also seem really busy. So. It's not helping. No, like I well, haven't been like I haven't been going out prior, a lot. Priority. It's well, because a big problem that I have too is if I go out, I'm with my friends, and I'm just thinking about talking to my friends. Like I don't even necessarily. You're not looking around. I'm not. Yeah, because I'm just like, oh, what's going on with my friend? I haven't seen you in a while. Well, you've been here for a year, so that's not very long, really. Not no. You're not worried about it. I'm super worried about it. You're super not worried. I'm super worried about it. You are? Yeah. yeah. Why? Um, because uh, my biological clock started pounding like a drum really the minute I turned 25. Yeah. And then I don't believe in a speedy courtship, oh. especially if procreation is part of that. I'm like looking, I'm really looking for a partner. Like I want to like, I want a ride or die mm-hmm. dude mm-hmm. who is down for whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, do you have any idea what might be? getting in your way at all or i i wonder this one this is this is gonna this is just like jesus i'm afraid i'm gonna sound insulting or something but um because this is i mean you seem like an amazing catch to me thanks i this is what i wonder about i wonder if you have so much going on in your life and that if men when they meet you you know you're so um effervescence and engaged in your life that they are afraid like their instinct isn't like there's a hole for me to fill because I even though men don't want a needy woman they don't or say they don't want to be needed I think that they do need to feel like when you meet men do you do you try to find you know connect with them emotionally and stuff like that I mean even in the dumbest way possible like I, yeah, like I, I think, I think people, I think when men meet me, they probably think I'm full of shit. What do you you know, when that? you're like, oh, hi, I moved to New York and I'm a writer. They're probably like, that's cute, sweetheart. Like, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of, um, especially with, 
I don't look like an artist necessarily per se, which I like. Well, you don't which have is just, that like, you know, I'm not edgy. Don't I don't, that. I do not have an edgy appearance by you any means. You don't have that like, you know, that depressed vibe. Exactly. That angst ridden depressed vibe. You're the opposite of that. But I think that's what's great. But okay. So this is what I was going to say. Vulnerability. See, I think that you seem like a well-rounded person, but you don't present vulnerability. Do you know that? Um, I mean, you heard me talking about the failure that I'm anticipating. No, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I don't saying, know. I don't know. I don't not, know. I'm, not, I'm just wondering. I, yeah, if, I don't. If, I, I'm just wondering because these are the things that I'm wondering too. Like I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just trying to imagine. But I wonder. Here, will you just experiment and report in on it? For sure. Me? Yeah. Okay. I like homework. So okay. Yeah. Oh, now you. <laughs> now I do. I was yeah, a good student in college. college. Everything. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I'm curious to find out. Let's do this as an experiment. If the next time you get in, you know, keep your eye out, find a guy you think is cute and then, you know, start a conversation, which is easy for you, which is like 90% of the battle. And then talk a little bit about your project, but right away, talk about how you're worried about that. It's going to fail or the, the things that could go wrong. Talk right away explain the you know talk positively about the project but and then then go right into what you're worried about okay and see if that vulnerability works i'm not saying that's going to be a good basis for it would a be interesting to see how like what the numbers are like though but i i am i'm guessing that maybe men see you as so happy and positive that they don't see the vulnerability and it's scary to them and i'm just saying that or it's threatening, you know, threatening like this person's so happy and positive. I'm a wreck. I'm a disaster. She'll never like me. She's so, everything's so great for her. And I suck. My life sucks. She doesn't want to have anything to do with me. We have a minute left and I didn't even like so mention like, that. Keep, like, keep that in mind. I've been guys, a bucket of anxiety the last few I'm months. I don't, yeah, I'm I know. I don't about know. Your superficial presentation that's all we'll see so we've got a minute left and i just want to make sure that uh we mention uh radio free brooklyn again radiofreebrooklyn.org this is dr lisa gives a shit thanks for listening and i want to make sure that we get the uh url for your website draw the blue line www.drawthebluelinecom dot com and I also want to make sure that you guys stick around and listen to uh, Ellen Elon Zanziger's show because it's fucking amazing. It's called Lost and Rewound, and it's based on uh, Elon's uh, carrying around a tape recorder in the mid-90s when he was in middle school. And it's like talk and music and all that stuff and... Uh, I got a soft spot in my heart for Elon. He knows that. You have to meet him sometime. Come to one of the radio station. We're actually having, I should just put this out there, the radio station. I organized a Radio Free Brooklyn. You should come to this host happy hour at the Footlight on Friday at 6.30 to 8.30. Elon, you should come meet this chick. Do you have a girlfriend, Elon? This girl's really happening. Um.